Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. My name is Captain Zach, and in today's episode, I speak with Pete Siglinski, co-founder and CEO of The Sieben Project. Pete was a high-performance sailboat builder, but has now turned himself into a floating trash bin inventor. Yep, he invented the sea bin, and it was only a few years ago that Pete decided to change his career and jump two feet into the deep end with no prior business experience, but a lot of Aussie ingenuity. Pete and his business partner are responsible for now collecting close to a million kilos, that's right, one million kilos of marine pollution out of our oceans. It was a real pleasure speaking with Pete, and as always, be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and leave a review. Those reviews are very important. They help get the show out and spread the word about these amazing companies like the Seabin Project. Don't forget to stick around towards the end and enjoy the show. Well, uh, Peter, it's a pleasure to have you on Beyond the Buoy. Thanks for uh, taking the time to be on the show. And uh, yeah, let's just, you know, Introduce yourself. You're with Seabin, a you know company that's doing some incredible work trying to clean up the oceans. And uh, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself and let's get right into it. Yeah. Uh, so hi, thanks for having me, Zach. Um, I'm Beyond the Buoy and my name's Pete Siglinski. I'm CEO and co-founder at Seabin Project. Yeah. And what exactly, because you know, going on Seabin's website, you guys look like to, you've, you've created a essentially the a garbage can that collects pollution marine debris and so on so on and so forth in marinas and in close proximity to the shoreline correct is that kind of the preface of it yeah it's pretty simple stuff um it's a it's literally a trash can mixed with a pool skimmer and then you know we, we put it in a marina a port or your yacht or a yacht club and essentially we filter the top um inch to half inch uh the surface of the water uh, for floating plastics and microplastics and plastic fibers and oil, fuel, surface pollutants. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's really effective mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a really good first step. But um, I'd probably like to take this opportunity, uh, you know, early in this conversation to say that technology is not going to, there's not a solution to ocean plastics, but uh, prevention. Mm-hmm awareness, education, you know, that's the real solution because we shouldn't have a need for sea bins in the water and we shouldn't have plastics in the water. So, uh, mm. you know, what we do kind of basically we've uh, split the business into um, cleanup, which is the technology, and then pre- mm-hmm. prevention and measurable impact, which is education and not-for-profit and data monitoring. And, you know, this is how we're kind of attacking this, uh, the, the problem of ocean plastics. And, you know, this is how we think we can help right. solve it. Right. And it's almost in a way that you're you're trying to put yourselves out of business, you know, to some degree, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, we shouldn't have plastics in the water. If we were smarter using right. plastic, we wouldn't have the issue. But unfortunately, we're not. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, ultimately, yeah, we shouldn't have a need for the sea bins. We'll, we'll just go and do something else. You know, we're pretty confident if we could do a sea bin, we can do something else to the planet. Right. You can do whatever, you can do anything you put your mind to. Yeah, for sure. And and how exactly did you kind of, you know, you don't just hop into, oh, one day I'm going to make a sea bin. You know, there's there's always a story leading up to that. So, Peter, where exactly are you from? Uh, I'm from a, um, a town called um, Byron Bay in Australia. And, uh, yeah, it's a small coastal town. We don't have any sailing or anything because it's all beaches and surfing and diving. 
Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I grew up here. And then when I was 18, I split and uh, went down to Sydney and kind of got tipped into the sailing, uh, well, the boat building uh, world, which then one thing led to another. Um, actually, no, I, I've, I've gotten ahead of myself. Actually, I started off. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so when I split from Byron Bay, my hometown, um, I went down to Sydney and I actually started a career as a as a product designer. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so I did a few years of that and then I moved over to the other side of Australia and I was working for a consultancy and I was specialised in plastic injection moulding. Really exciting stuff like toasters and kettles and <laughs> sandwich makers and shit like that and and right. uh, I, I kind of, I was a bit disillusioned with doing that. Like it was really fun and it was great and you know, really creative, but we were designing a lot of crap and uh, stuff that wasn't really meant to be reused or repaired, you know, sort of single use mm. type stuff. And like I was never an activist or a sustainability guy. I just knew that we could make things simpler and better quality and you know, fixable. And, and so I bailed out of that and, um, ended up doing some bit of boat building and, and then ended up traveling the world for the next 12 years, building America's Cup, Volvo Ocean Race, TP52 boats and, and doing the shore crew for a lot of the teams as well. Um, that's very cool. That's kind of like my background before CBN. And then I guess, um, you know, what happened was uh, we're, we're actually in China and, you know, I met my future business partner, who will I was working for the Americans and he was working for the Russians on the Volvo and, you know, he sort of told me about this stuff and then, you know, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then we, a few years later, we were still sort of working the yacht racing circuit and we're on the TP52s this time and in Miami, um, you know, he's like, oh, this sea bin and he you know, told me a bit more about it and he's like, you know, I don't know what to do and so well, I used to do that for a living, you know, I'd take a guy's idea and concept and then commercialize it and, right. and for me that was like my light bulb moment where I could use design engineering creativity I could be hands-on I could be on the water and finally I could be doing something um, for the environment or for other people because I'd never done that before in my life you know we we build racing yachts and essentially it's like rich people's toys and you know, there's no real mm-hmm. purpose to it, and it's not very sustainable sport when you think about epoxy, Kevlar, um, carbon, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, it's fun, you know. But apart from you know, right? We use wind, but the rest of it's the most toxic shit in the world. <laughs> right? You, know, you use it one season, then you ditch it and make another one. And uh, so, you know, this was a this was a real light bulb moment for me where. It's like, wow, I can help the environment, I can help other people and I can be, you know, financially successful and I can buy a house and provide for my family and buy a car and, yeah, so that was it. And I was like, hell yeah. And then we didn't do anything for two years, (laughs) you know, because we had cushy jobs, like, yeah, we're getting paid to go. Yeah, sailing around the world. Yeah, I travel around with a backpack and a roll on luggage and a surfboard and that was me, you know, that was cool, that was fine. And then, um, yeah, it took a little while just to sort of think, right, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I need to get stuck into this sea bin thing. And, and so for, I don't know, maybe eight months, I kind of saved all my pennies and, and then I quit and just took it on. Uh, didn't look back. 
And this was and this was with your uh, your business partner. Yeah, so Andrew, he he kept on with the boat building uh, for for about a year, and then um, mm-hmm. you know I just like pulled the pin and um, sort of gave it one hundred and ten percent of my energy and focus, and and then after a little while, you know, Andrew sort of was like started to migrate into the sea bin sort of stuff, and but he you know still does a lot of sailing and a lot of boat building and and this and that, um, and I'm yeah. I'm just kind of like mate, this is it. This is the big shot and I'm giving it everything. Right, right. And, and before we got on, before we started recording, you had mentioned that we had a bit of a connection because you had spent some time here in uh, in Rhode Island where I'm located. You're over in Australia right now. So um, that was kind of a neat connection in how, you know, boat building, although, uh, you know, you can be countries apart, it, it really brings people together at the end of the day. Yeah, man. Like, we, you know, we've been yeah. all these countries just you know, we wouldn't even speak the language sometimes, but the, you know, you got your your circuit, you got your bunch of friends all on the teams. You all know each other, and mm-hmm. you know it's pretty tight knit when you get up that sort of stuff. And and uh, you know, it's great. Yeah, yeah, and it seems as though like the ocean kind of does that for people, right? It's kind of uh, it lays that baseline down and and really sets the stage. And and you could be out on a boat, and it doesn't matter know who's around you because at the end of the day the ocean's gonna win if you let it right so oh, it's hectic um, man. like you know we grew up surfing on the coast here and you got like beautiful offshore mornings you know it's postcard perfect and then you know a couple yeah. of weeks later it's like 10 foot and crazy shit knocking houses over <laughs> right yeah it's insane it's crazy so you know, you go from your 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 yachting world and, and your first career. Well, I should say your second career, right? Because before you're doing the plastic injection molding, and yeah. and you and you start Seabin, and you know, you you take this idea and you, with the experiences you had and, and seeing all the pollution, I'm sure from traveling around the world. You know, it probably varied from port to port, right? The level of pollution, did it not? Yeah. So we we found everything was sort of um, kind of the same. The only thing that was different mm-hmm. was uh, the language on the packet, uh, Interesting. the volumes, and, and sometimes even the brands were the same, um, you know, just in another country and just more of. Uh, but, right. you know, there, there, there's uh, 194 countries that have shoreline, and every single one of those countries has got the same problem, which is the plastics, because we all use it, um, and it's a new problem. You know, we didn't have plastics like well we had it like 60 years ago or something and uh, so it's relatively new and i guess we're just learning um about how to actually use it properly because if that stuff lasts forever um you know how come we're not using it reusing it and then reusing it again um you know so i i I think it's a real learning curve and it's it's plastic's not the enemy you know it's it's amazing shit and we've built an entire world and economy and everything on around it i mean mm-hmm. like i got a keyboard in front of me i got a pen i got a phone and everything's made out of plastic um it's unavoidable right it's just how we how we implement it right yeah. and and creating a and creating a supply chain essentially right to to remove remove it and put it back into the cycle and that's what Seabin is doing you know it, it's part of that that part of that supply chain but you know before we get into what how Seabin how Seabin is doing it and and whatnot but I want to ask like how do you go from not having you know any experience well you had experience right but you know creating going from sailing and boat building to now you're building floating trash cans right essentially yeah 
I mean, yeah. there, there's got to be a process revolving around that. Yeah. And, and a journey. Yeah, and the process was pretty simple. It was just jump in the deep end and make sure you don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> I love your simplicity into it. Mate, I, I just, look, I've yeah. been using, like, trying to, well, trying to tap into a bit of common sense and, you know, using gut yeah. feel, but um, it's all been calculated risk. Like, I have no business skills. I had no business experience. Um, and so I literally just went to YouTube and Google and, um, kind of yep. identified my weaknesses, which of all things was business. <laughs> um, yeah, right. you know, the CBN, that was the easy part, uh, you know, trying to get traction and make it all proper, like in, you know, accountable, um, with uh, the financials and IP and, you know, business law and all that, that was the hard bit, but, um, right. I guess it was just identifying weaknesses and um, just going for it and ask, asking lots of stupid questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, to, to some extent, that's how I've, you know, what led me to start the po- this podcast and what I have going on in, um, in you know, uh, along with just, it's not just a podcast, right? There's more to it, um, is, you know, Google and YouTube. Like, you know, you become an expert by however much time you want to put into it. And you're right, asking the stupid questions. So, um, well, here's a question though for you. What exactly is the C-bin? Like, how did you come to build it? How does it work? How does it collect trash on its own? I mean, there, there's so many questions that kind of go along with it. Can you kind of give us an overview as to, you know, how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, um, you know, if you imagine, uh, you know, the trash can, um, that's in the water. So uh, imagine a cup. And at the bottom, you put a submersible water pump. Um, and then you have you, you bring the water in from the top of the cup, you pump it out the bottom of the cup. But in the middle of that cup, you put a filter. And so the water passes through, but the plastics and the debris, you know, that gets caught in the filter. And that's, that's an, as simple as it is. Like there's a, there's a few other little bits and pieces going on with fluid dynamics and stuff. But, you know, in a nutshell, that's it. Like it's not interesting. It's not rocket science. <laughs> no, um, no, not at all. Yeah. So it basically it's kind of like a little vortex almost. Uh, it, where it's it, it kind of just generates its own flow and um, okay. Yeah, it's it's pretty simple stuff. And then once the trash goes into the sea bin, it obviously there's got to be some sort of capacity to it, right? Yeah, yeah. So the the capacity. Um, when I designed this, I designed it so it's going to be ergonomic for one person to be able to, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, interact with it, uh, I guess. And um, and I was like, so I just looked up like Delta Delta Airlines um, baggage handling and 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 looked at like what's a safe working load. So yeah, the you know the C bin was designed uh, to be twenty kilos, uh, which was like forty pounds and. You know, that was uh, kind of what was on the Delta Airlines website for ergonomics and safe handling. Um, and, yeah, it just sort of reverse engineered it from that, what one person was able to, um, uh, to, to use and interact with and still be safe. And now what made you think about, you know, out of all the places to look, why, why go to Delta Airlines website and, and, or just the airlines in general? Because that's a pretty unique, you know, way of looking at things, I, I would say. Uh, I just figured that uh, they had a lot of finance and resource and, you know, support and they, 
they must have had pretty amazing teams set up the safe handling and ergonomics of all this and I just figured they'd done all the work so I'll just see what they've done. Man, I feel like every time you're, you know, you, you say something as to how you went about it and it, it almost as if you just you just use common sense. Like there was no there, there was you know, but it, you know, you make it sound <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I just like, yeah, I went to, cause they were handling luggage and checked out Delta and they were like, yeah, here you go. And, and it makes perfect sense when you say it, but to be in the moment and think that I think is a really unique trait to have and, and to look at things at its simplest form when you're trying to solve a complex problem like plastic pollution. Yeah. Well, I think you just got to, you know, dial it in and, you know, keep it simple and use common sense. And otherwise it, you probably fail, but uh, you know, another reason for this keeping it simple and trying to use common sense is I didn't want to reinvent the wheel right. on something that people are already doing. Yeah, you know, no, no, for I sure. I got other shit to do, and you know, I didn't didn't have much money, and you know, I wasn't going to blow it trying to like you know, get some guys or team to you know do all this right. ergonomics for me when it was already there, and uh, you know, it was let's not reinvent the wheel. We got other stuff to do, and let's just try and keep it simple and practical and tangible. Right. Yeah. No. And so you go from you know your first rendition of the C bend. Did it look similar to what it is today? Uh the first first edition was what Andrew had made, and it was literally two trash cans uh, jammed together. Yeah, nice. A lot of duct tape, yeah. uh, a lot of Sikaflex. Um, it was pretty ugly, but it worked. Right. Like it was great. And uh, that was proof of concept. And then uh, we, we made a, a crowdfunding video. We had this big stainless steel polish thing and, you know, it took two people to lift the damn thing. And, and um, But it looked good. Figured, yeah, like, <laughs> it looked pretty flash. And, uh, but then, when, you know, we quickly realized, like, this isn't commercial. You know, this costs a bloody fortune to make. And, you know, let's, let's go to plastic because, uh, you know, we could reuse plastic. We could um, essentially, well, in theory, like mm-hmm. you know, reuse the plastics that we collect, and uh, it was a lot more, it was less toxic than using fiberglass or carbon fiber or you know epoxies or polyesters. And we're like, well, plastic's amazing, you know, it's cost effective, and we can do everything we want with it. And then at the end of the day, well, we can recycle nine percent of the entire unit. The only thing we can't recycle is the internals of the pump that is encased in a polyester resin. Right. Yeah. So what is that? That kind of leads to my next question is like you go from having these, you know, trash cans and in, in, in the water and, and they're filling up with garbage and, and plastics and marine debris and pollution. And what what do you do with it? Right. Like that's in that, you, you kind of you create this sea bin. You're like, all right, we're going to collect the trash. But then the next step is, well, where do we put it? You know? Yeah, so, um, you know, that, that's a question that's pretty similar to the chicken or the egg, you know, what comes first? And, and uh, like, I, the seed funding we got was $362,000. And I made that last for more than a year. And when you're trying to start a business and do some pretty, you know, epic stuff, um, it's not a lot of money. <laughs> and so... I had to focus on the chicken or the egg and like, I don't know what come first out of the chicken or the egg, but certainly the sea bin comes first because we need to collect the trash and then we'll deal with it later. And so I was like, well, let's focus on capture. The marinas are our clients. They already have 
you know, services and waste management. They already have rubbish bins that they're putting their trash in. Let's just put it in the trash cans that they've already got. And then when we bring on more seed funding and then bigger team and some support or a joint venture with a waste service provider, yeah, let's let's deal with that later. Let's just deal with getting the getting the crap out of the water first. Right. Yeah. So so almost almost it was like let's just get sea bins made, put them in the water, get these things, you know, collecting trash, and then go about trying to find find another avenue. Was kind of the mindset. Yeah, we we need a proof of concept. Like we knew it worked. People saw a video and they kind of thought it worked, but a lot of people thought it was just dumb. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's too small. It's never going to work. It's not big enough. There's not enough impact. You're only getting, you know, 1.4 tons a year. There's 800 million. You know, why even bother? You know, it's dumb. <laughs> and uh, right. like, well, screw you. <laughs> you know, we're, we're yeah, start yeah, exactly. And, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, this is our first step. Right. Like, it's not perfect. It will never be perfect, but we can definitely scale it up and dial it in and make it better. But you know, this is our effort, and uh, we're pretty happy with it. And uh, you know, we started with one unit. We 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 started with one kilo of crap that we collected, and and then we mm-hmm. you know, we started getting better at it. And we now know that each unit gets one point four tons of marine litter per year. Um, and, you know, times that by, we've got 800 860 units in the water, I think. So every day, every day those units are collecting 3.6 tons wow. of, of marine litter. And every day we filter 500 million litres of water for microplastics and oil and stuff. And, you know, it's a, it's a scaling exercise. And But, you know, those critics like, Uh, you know, why should we get a sea bin? We've always had this shit in the water and why should we pay to clean it up? It's always been there. It's someone else's problem. I didn't make the problem and, you know, you know, all this sort of stuff. And we're like, well, you don't have to do anything, you know, like we'll just talk to your neighbor. And then it turns out there was a lot of politics and competition between neighbors, uh, neighboring marinas about, you know, who was the more sustainable or who had the clients or who had the cleanest marina. And, you know, if people weren't buying into it for environmental reasons, they're buying into it for bottom line reasons. Where bottom line, you got to clean right. a marina, you got more clients, you got more money coming in. And was that kind of the pitch to marinas? Because this is an interesting product to sell a mar- sell to a marina. I've, I mean, I've I've managed a, f- a marina before. I've worked in on on the water and always on the docks. And you know, it's a, a certain type of person works at a marina and they may not always be the most sustainably minded person, but, you know, I think there's enough people out there that, that are, that would be more than happy to have a sea bin, right? But then there's that, that select few, like you said, who maybe, maybe they don't see it as an issue. And, and what's kind of the pitch as to how do we get more people invested in, you know, cleaning our oceans and, and cleaning the marina, right? Because I mean, they're, they have customers too. Yeah. Well, well, we, we just started off with like, you know, hey, we've got this, you know, device and it it's going to save you money because, uh, you know, your guys are scoop netting, you know, maybe a couple of hours or a portion of the day. And, you know, if they're not scoop netting, they can be tying up the lines, fixing the PowerPoints, uh, tending to other important stuff. And, you know, these things are chipping away like 24-7 for a lot 
for less than two dollars a day. Um, and right. uh, you know, but the thing was like, you you're in the marine industry, like you got these salty old sea dogs that have done something for forty years. Yeah, you got this little whippersnapper yep. coming in, going, "Hey, I've got this amazing device," and blah blah blah, and they're like. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> right. Beat it. <laughs> yeah, like we, why do we need that? We've been doing it for forty years. Yeah, you know? so yeah. I was there. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I understand. You you want to? We'll do a free trial. We'll put it in the water. We'll put it in that corner over there where all that shit is. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And uh, and then a week later, they're like, oh my god, I've never seen it this clean, and this thing's amazing. And you know, I thought it was dumb. This is great. <laughs> like, cool. Right. <laughs> Right. I bet they don't even realize how much garbage there's act- that's actually in and amongst their No, it just it sort of like you walk along the street and you see the trash on the street and it becomes normal. You know, you see stuff in the water and right. it's always there. So it kind of becomes normalized. And, you know, it's only until you start cleaning up and you're like, wow, I can see the bottom of the marina now. I haven't seen that for, you know, 15, 20 years. Like Cabrillo Isle Marina, uh, Safe Harbor. Right. Uh, we, we installed a sea bin there and, like a couple of hours later, all that scum in the back of the marina under the under the hotel there was cleared, and you know the same guy that um, wired up the marina when it was built like twenty something years ago, he wired up the sea bin and was like, "Holy shit! Like I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the bottom for like twenty years." <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So you know, what exactly are you guys collecting like on a daily basis? What's because there's kind of two sides to this, you know, you guys are doing your part in cleaning it. But there's also a lot of, you know, data that's being collected, you know, in terms of microplastics, you know, marine debris, plastic bags, are you guys kind of tapping into that aspect at all? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when I quit yachting, um, I'd never had long hair, so I was like, I'm going to give long hair a go. <laughs> and it was like, you know, down to my shoulders and I was surfing, so I was all blonde and I was scruffy as hell. And, yeah, and I was yeah. like, no one's going to take me seriously. And uh, so I literally just started a data campaign and employed a scientist. And, you know, I was like, well, if no one takes me seriously, they'll take a spreadsheet of numbers and a scientist. And, and right. so what we collect on a daily basis is microplastics and, you know, shit that's broken up and foam balls and um, straws, cups, plastic bags. And, you know, it's really scummy stuff that's like mixed up and it's really polluted. And uh, mm-hmm. and um, technically at the moment, it's not really recyclable, probably 90% of what we collect. Um, and then, right. you know, to do this data, we were like, well, let's just spread all this stuff out on the ground and, you know, let's start counting it and categorizing it. And... Um, create a database which we now call the pollution index and you know this is giving us um pretty key information like it's uh there is no base data for microplastics upstream and so the epa and the australian government and you know united nations are like wow you know you guys have got a 24 7 monitoring device that will give us the information that we don't have for a crisis that is just you know one of the top priorities of the decade and uh you know so we've got a pretty pretty powerful thing going on in terms of data oh absolutely and you're, you're absolutely right it's it, there it is a crisis you know that's going on in plastic pollution it's it's not only visually unappealing but you know there's so many industries that it it really harms you know especially fishing industry right all the the, the fisheries that are being harmed by it marine mammals um, the, the 
endocrine disruptors that are getting in the water and harming, you know, our drinking water that eventually, you know, goes from the ocean through the water cycle. So there's so many different ways that plastic pollution and in marine pollution in the in the general sense are are harming our environment. Yeah. So even tourism, you know, who wants to swim with shit in the water? <laughs> who wants to go to a beach yeah. that is covered in thick? You know, the hotels are going to suffer, the the cafes, the restaurants tourism industry mm -hmm. you know needs in as much as the plastic industry and and everyone else and you know we we don't even know the the fallout of of what the plastics are going to do to us because it's so new you know who knew who right. knows what's happens in the next 10 to 15 years if there's health or anything you know like no absolutely and, and you're right like like you said earlier it, we've only really had this problem for about 60 years and it really has only come to the forefront maybe in the past, I don't know, what do you think, 20 or 30? I'd say 16 years or so, yeah. Um, 16, you know, yeah. It's like Facebook, uh, Facebook and Instagram and uh, Twitter, I guess, brought the problem to the masses and social media in general, um, you know, really amplified right. this because Captain Charles Moore, he found those garbage patches Oh, it must be 20 years ago or something, but, you know, Facebook didn't mm -hmm. have its uh, you know, platform it does now. And, you know, all of a sudden you see a video that's gone viral and the masses know about it. And it's like, you know, accelerated information of issues that affects us all now. Right. And so now, you know, you guys are, you guys are very well established, right? You have 860 bins. Um, you've collected over 900,000 kilos of, of garbage, marine debris, pollution, um, which is incredible, you know, and, and you guys haven't been, you know, it hasn't been a long, long time that you guys have been around. So to have that much, you know, you've garnered tons of support and to have that much, you know, data behind you, it really shows that what you guys are doing is, is working, you know, to a, to a very large scale. So what exactly are you guys doing, you know, today to continue that and perpetuate, the, the growth of sea bin and getting more bins and more marinas and, and, and kind of give us a, a thousand foot view as to where you're at, you know, cause I can see on your map, you guys are across the globe. Yeah. We, we got, um, you know, kind of market entry into 53 countries at the moment. And like, to be honest, man, we, we've only just started, like this isn't even 1% of what we need to do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's this huge effort and it's, we've only had a product for two years. You know, for two years before that, we'll develop. That's it. One. Two years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but you know, I didn't realize you guys were that new. Twenty sixteen was like when we sort of had that viral video that put us on the map, but we didn't have a product till twenty eight. Right. That's insane. You guys have already done nine hundred kilos, nine hundred thousand yeah. kilos. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, and uh, but at the moment, what we're doing is we're we're actually tipping our business model on the head on its head sorry and um we shouldn't have to be selling sea bins to a marina like at the end of the day a lot of that trash that's in the water is mismanaged waste and leakage from mm -hmm. upstream which means that a city or a county or a or, or a state is not managing their waste properly and it's ending up in the water and so right. why should you know why should a marina pay to clean up that crap that the city can't manage, and so the the business mm -hmm. model that we're transitioning to is is to provide services 
um, where we, we have someone, a technician that goes around and does this, but we use the marinas as hosts and it's a state or federal mm. funded um, EPA and, you know, all these other government agencies. Uh, you know, this, this is the business model that we need. Um, you know, it's in everybody's problem. It's in everybody's solution. And, you know, how come the marinas are paying to clean up what the city can't do? And uh, so it's, right. a, it's, a, it's got to be a long process, but we've started this already and, you know, it's, it's pretty supportive feedback and um, this is what we're up to at the moment and we've just received some um, government funding uh, to develop the next tech, which is the CBN 6.0. We've partnered up with a company over in um, California called Boreo. Uh, we're going to be... Oh, yeah, very yeah, familiar. Yeah, so we're going to use their fishing nets to build the sea bins. And, um, That's awesome. We're stepping it up a bit with the, with the, the smart tech, and we're uh, introducing uh, sensors into the unit, and so we can get more data, more consistent, and we're making the units uh, IoT connected. So, you know, we, we can essentially have a modem on the dock and the sea bin cloud and then goes back to our database and software and yeah we've got daily updates coming in of readouts in god knows how many places around the world and you know this is this is what we're developing at the moment just trying to get smarter right and and will that data include not only just garbage and and what's going in pollution and oil and and whatnot but also you know ph temperature things yeah, like so that ph levels uh, ox- uh, ox- uh oxygen levels uh, even uh, electrical conductivity, uh, water temperature, and then also we're introducing a GPS um, uh, tracker, and so we can use the location and uh, tap into the Bureau of Meteorology, and we can get the weather patterns uh, the day before, and you know, basically we can start doing a bit of machine learning of predicting what's going to happen based off weather patterns demographics, populations, and um, other uh, variables like uh, if, um, you know, has there been a bag van? We can, we can also measure the success of that. And, uh, you know, so we, we start off pretty simple and then start adding the layers and it's, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds very cool. And I can imagine, you know, once you, your first, you know, round of data goes through, you'll, you'll be able to almost, you know, position your sea bins in an optimal location to to gather more and more garbage and, and, and marine debris because you have, you know, the, the connection between the weather patterns and the tides and the currents. And so that's that's really interesting how you guys are really tying it all together. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a grower, this project. Yeah. You know, we start with the trash can and then it sort of starts growing and, you know, we're doing the not for profit stuff and data and all that. But uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah. No, it sounds it. And who knew, you know, going from yachts to making floating trash cans would not only change, you know, your trajectory, but the, you know, the ocean's trajectory too, because it's, you know, you guys are doing so much good for it. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying, you know, there's some pretty amazing not-for-profits and other individuals out there, everyone you know, giving it their own go, but, you know, this is ours and yeah. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, I always like to ask this question and, and the question is always, you know, what was there ever a moment in time or maybe a person or an experience that kind of 
that really sparked an interest in, in what you're doing today or maybe set you on the path that you're at right now? It, it Maybe a moment in time that you can kind of think back to and, and kind of say, all right, this was, this was it where it kind of changed and shifted. Yeah, it was, um, it was in South beach, Miami, um, maybe six years ago. And, uh, you know, I was working for Rand racing on the TP 52 circuit and we just won the world championships the day before. And, you know, we went out and celebrated and I was hung over as hell <laughs> in the lobby the next morning. And, you know, then I was having a chat with my future business partner and, you know, we, we hashed out this Seabin stuff and that was my light bulb moment, mm. you know, hung over as hell in the bottom of a lobby on another side of the world. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that that was my path. Um, I didn't know how to, how long it would take to, you know, get to that or, yeah. but I, I just knew. Yeah. And then the second, the second time I had that was probably two years later and I was still working for Rand Racing, but we were building our next boat. And we're in in, um, in Italy, uh, the bottom of the Alps, and and so on the top of the Alps, it was snowing and sunshine and you know, snowboarding going on. And where we were in the bottom at Persico, it was it was raining and grey and it was shit. <laughs> and uh, and and that was like, you know, I'm I'm just daydreaming about this sea bin stuff, and right. I was like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hey boys, I'm done. I'm out. Um, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm, I'm going to go do this CBN thing. And they're like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I think this is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Just watch. And, uh, you know, and, and that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's too funny. You know, I, I can't say I've had someone say <laughs> as, 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 you know, I was hung over in the lobby and it just hit me. And I love the simplicity in that because, you know, it doesn't need to be, there's no, it doesn't have to be glamorous, right? It can be this simple moment where you just, you had a switch and change in mindset because you were doing something that you, you loved for a while, but maybe you just needed a change and you made that change, right? And now you have this amazing, you know, organization that you've created from nothing that's changing the world and changing the ocean as it is. So uh, congrats on that. That's, that's huge. So, you know, in, in a way, the ocean has seemed to be played a really big theme in your life, and I'm sure it. You know, you can probably feel that way. And in what ways do you think the ocean? You know, what ways does it mean to you? I guess would be the question. Well, uh, it's always been a big part of my life. I'm not like, you know, Mister Environmentalist or anything. And you know, I love mm. surfing and and all swimming and freediving and stuff. And I don't know, like I've never thought about it like I have to have the ocean to be you know, peaceful and zen and all that sort of crap. But, you know, it's, it's, it's always been there. And then I started to realize that like every third breath, I think it is, we take is uh, generated from the ocean. And, you know, just, just looking after the environment in general should be a real no-brainer, but it's not. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just like to enjoy the beach without plastics and I don't want to go surfing without plastics. And, you know, I want my kids to have a good value of life. Like, it actually just comes back to self-interest. You know, I don't want to swim in pollution. <laughs> you know, or, or eat yeah, fish right. that's got microplastics in it or something. Yeah. No, I feel the same way. And, and 
you know, the ocean has been, you know, a big theme in my life as well. And I, I can certainly relate to, you know, your position because, you know, I, I, I always say like, if you're going to be environmentally friendly and, and, and love the ocean, just do, do, do what you can. Right. I mean, for me, I drive a pickup truck, right. And it's a big V8 Chevy Silverado. And I, I understand <laughs> I'm putting CO2 into the, into the, into the air. Like I get that, but I'm also trying to educate and help people understand about the ocean. And, and you know, if I'm not going to use single use plastics and, and do my part, right. So it, it's just doing those one or two things that can really, you know, change someone someone's mindset maybe by having a discussion or voting with your wallet and and not buying single-use plastic and buying something that's reusable so small change makes big change right so i guess absolutely you know and and you you're obviously making huge change i mean shit 900 and um, what is it Nine hundred and five thousand eight hundred and seventy kilos of garbage has been removed in two years which is mind-blowing yeah, yeah, coming up to a million kilos. That's um, insane. That's yeah, insane. Pretty excited, but yeah. but yeah, look, man, going back to what you said, like everybody has the power to do something, and uh, you know, there's there's accountability for every single person on this planet for the problems that we have, and uh, you know, we can all do small things: refuse single use, bring your own cup, take your own water bottle. You know, that that's that's huge. Refusing a straw. You know, it all adds up. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I, ha- I had someone on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and Maddie Larson from Upcycle Hawaii, and she started out by saying, "She's like, I want to be out of business." You know, not because she wants to be out of business, you know, because she loves what she does, but the the meaning behind, I want to try and you know, rid the rid the world of. Single-use plastics and 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 having it floating in our ocean and you know in some degree right it's it's similar like we said earlier like you guys are trying to rid the world of you know marine debris and you know right now you guys are are crushing it and able to do so so it was a real pleasure having you on the show Peter yeah thanks Zach thanks for having me and thank you everyone yeah well uh, if where where can people find you. Oh yeah, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> um, if you know, if you got Facebook or Instagram or any of that sort of stuff, Twitter, LinkedIn, you can go to Seabin Project, and then um, we got pretty creative and we just sort of kept everything Seabin Project, so it's pretty easy to find. You just go to www.seabinproject.com, and you know you'll find everything there. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the more people that follow, the better. And we got volunteers in 19 countries. I think we've got 71 volunteers now that are helping out. We do community events. We do all sorts of fun stuff. And Right on. Um, you know, always looking for help and setting up fun events like outdoor screenings or all sorts of things. And, yeah, get yeah. in touch and send us an email if you're keen to get involved. Cool. All right. Are you going to have anything well, over at the U.S. No anytime soon? Yeah, we're just waiting for the climate to sort of ease ease off a little bit yeah but, um very true probably incorporating a, a u.s entity over there uh, in the next say 12 months or more but oh, very you know, cool. this whole corona thing's sort of throwing everyone a curveball and we just sort of reassessing readjusting and um just looking and waiting of you know when when do we uh, incorporate and when do the climate sort of cools off a little bit so right but right. yeah 
we'll be having we'll be a lot more active in the states in the next 12 months that's for sure awesome awesome well peter again it was a real pleasure having you on the show and um you know let's stay in touch and uh we'll uh we'll catch you on the next one cool thanks everyone awesome thanks peter Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Buoy. It was a real pleasure to speak with Pete today. And if you want to learn more about the Seabin Project, you can head over to their website, www.seabinproject.com, or you can go over to Beyond the Buoy website, our website, which is linked below, beyondthebuoypodcast.com slash the Seabin Project to learn all about what they got going on over there. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the show. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Google Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. Those help and basically build the algorithm so that the show gets put up and more people can view it, more people can listen to it, and just learn about these amazing companies. So I would really appreciate a review from anyone who's listening. And uh, you know, with that, remember to work hard, do good, and be incredible. Thanks, guys, for another episode of Beyond the Buoy, and we'll catch you on the next one.